I didn't have the guidance to know that writing down goals was a really effective way to achieve them. I didn't know that putting a number to a goal at the time was a really effective way to monitor your progress. but I can even do the side to side. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can do it all. I can do it all. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124GOM. Your co-host, Chris Lulman, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. We're juiced up, not just because yeah. I've had some afternoon caffeine and just came off of a 21-hour drive, but, but I'm juiced up for other reasons that have to do with this conversation that you're about to listen to. First of all, we're about to have a discussion with a guy that just has the best name on the planet. So... If nothing else comes of this conversation, which I don't think will be true, Cash Lawless, thank you for joining us today. How you doing? Thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited. I've been listening to you guys for a while, and it's just crazy to actually be talking with you uh, and engaging with you instead of listening. I've I've gotten so much value from you guys' podcast and work, and um, it's really cool to be here with you today. Well, appreciate it. And it's, and it's, well, I, you know, you. I know thank it's you. due to our guests because we're always trying to find people that are sharing a message just like you are. And your message is, I want to say a unique one and, and a bold one, but because you can back it up. And I always love when somebody not only brings big talk and some, you know, some, some motivation and some energy, but they've also walked the walk and walked the path. And your path is super interesting. You're, you're not only a hairstylist and you are, and you live that life and you've and you've got a, a high powered A-list clientele to back that to the likes of Justin Bieber, Kylie Jenner, and many more. You're also high touch as it relates to people in the industry that are educating and you're putting together a wild group of educators based around this mission that you're on to create more millionaire hairstylists. So you are a millionaire hairstylist. You got to that point. And what I always love is when somebody not only gets to a point and they're willing to share it. And so your mission is to help hairstylists to think bigger. And I'm thrilled to get into this conversation. Hopefully, you know, we can we can spread some of that inside of uh, inside of Shop Talk today. So Mr. John Palmieri, why don't you get us started? Cash, you know, one of the places we love to start is we always like to find out how people got into the industry because as hairdressers, it's kind of one of those things that we all can relate to. We can all pull together. So we love starting there. I always tell people like I became a hairdresser like a stripper becomes a stripper. I made some really bad choices in life Mm -hmm. and uh, and this career gave me the start that I needed. And um, I I found myself in a pretty um, desperate situation. I I dropped out of college uh, first semester and joined a band, drank a bunch of vodka and gin, and basically I went into a depressive state, wound up losing all my friends and homeless for months in Portland, Oregon. And I know that's cool now. It definitely wasn't back then, but I, I wound up in a pretty bad spot. Absolutely no money. This isn't homeless like couch surfing with friends and stuff. This was a really dark place in my life. And I was fortunate enough to have a uh, Brazilian-Italian family in Jacksonville, Florida, 
rescue me, put clothes on my back, roof over my head, uh, the family structure I needed at the time. And uh, they said, you're going to shape up. You have, you have a lot of potential. We believe that uh, you are something special and uh, we're going to, we're going to get you on the right path again. They said, you're going to go to school. You're going to read books. You're going to get mentors. You're going to um, uh, get a job. And so the, the job that I got was working at a salon one day a week, $6 an hour from four to 6 PM. So 12 bucks a week. And the, the salon owner just said, Hey, you, you know, you just, you look like a, like a, like you'd be a good hairstylist. We're filming a commercial for the salon. Why don't we just cast you in, in the, in the commercial? I said, well, does it pay? And he said, no, uh, but I'll give you a free haircut. <laughs> so, well, all right, maybe I'll start an acting career or something. Um, and so all the hairstylists that came around me taught, taught me how to hold a brush, a blow dryer. And I said, oh my gosh, you're a natural. You should go to school. You should do this. And I thought, well, you know what? I've never considered doing hair. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll look into it. And as I watched these hairstylists smile and laugh and have a good time with their clients, and I watched what they were making on the checkout, I, I was up at the front desk, you know, and I saw people putting these $20 tips in there. And I'd never even thought about that. When I just saw that going on, I was like, they're having a good time. They're making money and, and they seem like they never quit. Like who, who becomes a hairstylist and then quits? I decided I would go to school, but the only school that I had available to me was, um, was in a, a double wide in, in Jacksonville. And it was an hour and a half where I was staying. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna have to figure out how to, how to make this first down payment. So I started um, shampooing at the salon and getting tips. I started getting into um, funding my ability to go to school. And when I got into school, I was like, I became, I became obsessed. Yeah. That night when I figured out, I put my $900 deposit down, which was everything I had and borrowed some. I decided, I wrote on a piece of paper, I'm going to do this for five years with every single fiber of my being, every single piece of effort I have because I refuse to go back to where I was. This is my one shot out. Um, and so I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I put it on on a little piece of paper that I still have that said, if you're not making $100,000 a year, or if you're not exceedingly happy doing what you're doing in five years, only then can you reconsider doing something else. But until then, you're going to give this day in and day out, wake and sleep, everything you have. And so the five years passed, and obviously, uh, many more years have passed since. Cash, I want, I want to ask you something, because with all the podcasts that we've done, this has come up a couple of times, and I'm going to use this vocabulary. Tell me if it makes sense. When you wrote down on that note that you're going to spend five years either being happy or making money, hopefully both, right? Um, I, I call that putting both feet in. And what I mean by that is you didn't leave yourself an exit strategy. Like you were going to do this for five years. You made this commitment. There was no plan B. There was no escape hatch. And we hear that often from people who have been successful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I don't know any other place than total desperation where that came from. I didn't have the guidance to know that writing down goals was a really effective way to achieve them. I didn't know that putting a number to a goal at the time was a really effective way to monitor your progress. I had no idea how to measure happiness, but I wrote down, if I am making $100,000 and I'm miserable, why would I keep doing this? What does the money matter? It's not about the yeah, money at that yeah. point. So yeah. when I wrote that down, I still look at that piece of paper today. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing other than I had no other choice but to succeed at this or be a class A loser again. And I couldn't stand the thought 
of going back to what I, the choices I had made, the way I was thinking, the way I was behaving and acting, I couldn't stand the thought of it. And so there was no other, there was no other path for me. And I thought, I just thought to myself, if I don't commit to this, I'll continue to be average over and over and over and over again. And it just became unacceptable to me to, to do that. And so it was an, it was an urgency within me Mm -hmm. that forced me to talk to my boss, tell me, can I, I got to work more hours. I got to do full time. So I'm working Mm -hmm. 7am to to 4pm. Then I started going to school 5pm to 11pm. And then I go home and watch DVDs from Walmart from a little clipper kit that I got and try to learn more because Mm -hmm. I don't know that there was just a fire under me that, that was in insatiable. And there were moments in hair school where I remember washing a plastic head in a sink, you know, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing with my life? Is this ever right. going to leave any lead anywhere? My haircuts at school were $3 a piece. And I just, there were times where I want to quit. And I still get that feeling today. I still get that feeling where I want to quit. As I pursue this, I go, I have these things say in my head, who are you to do this? You know, there's so many other more qualified people. There's so many other people who can talk well and they've done so many things and they've done this and 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 so i've just learned over the years ignore that crap um i'm just going to keep doing what i need to do to hit that goal that i wrote down and and that comes from desperation and urgency for me i love that you just said that and and what i want to say to the the young hairstylist that might listen to this or the seasoned vet that is really fat and comfortable you know what i mean like i'm there are times in my career where i'm fat and happy it's like you know, I'm not starving, but I can still get desperate. You know, I can still realize inside of medi- mediocre or relatively happy that you don't have to go homeless to have the mm-hmm. experience that Cash had, right? It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's all about the mindset where you got, you know, as Tony Robbins would say, disturbed. You know, you got disturbed enough about your life. You were desperate enough about your life. Something had to change and you were willing to do it. And and the other part and piece that I love that you just touched on was you got, and it's John and I talk about leadership a lot, but John's expertise in leadership is about leading people. <laughs> My expertise in it is, is minimal. It's about leading myself. And I think ab- about self-leadership and there are, there are times when you're in a place where you have to be the one to go to the leader. I have to go to John and say, John, I need your help. I need your expertise. He, and then he'll, he'll give it. It's not about waiting around. And I love that you didn't wait around. You just decided that, you know, whatever the social norms were around mm-hmm. going after success, um, you were going to go after it. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Cash, that was, that's an incredible story. And then we'll, we're going to move off into a different direction. The first thing I want to talk about is if I'm not making $100,000 in five years and or happy or both, I, I want to ask this question. Did you get there at the end of five? I did. Yeah, I did. Right. And I got there. I got there before five. I remember the first year I made $40,000. I, I, I looked at my tax return and I was like praising God that I was right. like, well, my gosh, look at this. I'm, I'm in five digits now. And, <laughs> and I've been that I've been that same way with every every goal that I put in front of me. I, I just I almost get excited sure. before I'm there. Then I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, I go, okay, yeah, I'm certainly gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. There's moments where I've just I've felt the win before mm-hmm. I've even gotten there. Yeah. But to see it in reality is is really cool. And so um, doing that uh, for me, it took 
it took um, a massive sacrifice for me uh, to, to get to that point. If you could give two, maybe three strategies to our listeners, how, how can they get to $100,000? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I think the first thing that, that we, you have to dispel immediately is the myth that something about you is holding you back. That's the first place you have to start. There's things that 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 successful people believe that unsuccessful people don't believe, and there's a that's the one of the biggest differences is the mindset. And I used to think because of what I came from, I was dumb. I wasn't capable. Um, I, I certainly wasn't crafty or clever. And and I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Um, and so I I was always nervous around people. And that's a, what I realized is that those things can all be cultivated. Anything you want can be cultivated. And the second you say, because I'm a certain way, I can't, it pretty much nixes you from even starting down the path. So eliminating those beliefs that there's something about you that means you can't. And there's something unique about someone else that says they can that you don't have. You got to eliminate that immediately. That's the first place to start. Mm -hmm. The second place is you have to gain clarity. I mean, th- this is this is um, one of those exercises where a lot of people want to make a million dollars, or they want to do a certain thing or accomplish a certain thing, and they start with the how rather than the what when. So this is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So wisdom is knowing what to do when. Knowledge is knowing how. And we hairstylists we fall into this tutorial trap where we we focus on how 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 how. And we don't even consider, mm-hmm. well, is this really what I should be focusing on and when I should be focusing on it? So th- gaining that wisdom is the, dispel those myths, gain that wisdom. The best way to gain that wisdom is through the people you hang out with. You have got to have people speaking into your life who've been there before. If, and, and my tip for getting uh, mentors don't, aren't gotten. You hire coaches, you get coaches, you get trainers. Those are incredibly important. I advise you to have them every in every aspect of your life that you really wanna put, put some growth into. Mentors are received. They come into your life and you have to be ready for the moment you meet and connect with those people. And I think the best way to do that is through genuine curiosity. So uh, if, you, if you take a position of humility and openness to learn, you are always curious about other people. And when that person comes along, that you go, wow, you're just a fascinating person. I would, I wanna know, I wanna know more about you. And, and it seems like you're an expert in a field that, that I'm really interested in. And I would love the opportunity if I could just send you one, e- one question in an email, just, <laughs> just one question. Right. Um, I won't bother you, I promise. Um, but I just think that you're, you're a fascinating person. And I think you, have a unique expertise in this area that I, I think you could really speak to. And I would love to just ask you one question. If you can put that email together or when you meet somebody that is interesting to you, um, it's hard for people who uh, of expertise not to respond well to that humility and that openness and that genuine curiosity about another person. So people are always like, how do I get mentors? And I always tell them, you don't. You, you stay a humble and open person who's genuinely curious about others and everyone that comes through your life is either going to receive yeah. that well, or if you're if you're not that person, mm-hmm. then people aren't aren't going to be so inclined to share with you. And mentors will be very hard to come by. So after you've you've generated that clarity, you've gained some wisdom, you've put the right voices into your life to 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 speak into that wisdom side of life. You have to develop some urgency. You've got to know now that you've got the wisdom and you've got a path and you've got the little bit of clarity around where you're going and what you want to do. Why the heck are you going to do it now? 
So many people book appointments. They're like, okay, I get on the phone and I'm talking to my accountants. I'm like, hey, okay, there's some things we need to do. Um, let's, uh, let's, let, we need to book an appointment. They're like, okay, how about next Tuesday? I'm like, how about right freaking now? <laughs> like, the, why do we need to wait till next Tuesday to get stuff done? Let's go. Now's and good. Think, yeah. yeah, exactly. So why put off to tomorrow, which you know you can do today? And I think that level of urgency is a huge thing that separates um, people who achieve high levels of mm -hmm. people always go like, how do you do all this? How do you do all that? When you find yourself asking that about somebody, they typically just have a fire under their pants and they're like, let's go, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and generating that urgency comes from the practice of knowing why mm -hmm. you are doing what you want to do and when mm -hmm. that's the purpose side of it. So it, I know that I refuse to let my wife and my family be poor. Mm -hmm. I refuse to let my kids see that average is okay. I refuse to, to, uh, to look in the mirror at myself every day and say, oh, I could have done more. I, I just, those are things that, those are things that put fire under me and mm -hmm. make it an urgent imperative thing for me that I pursue things in to the best of my ability. Those are, those are that, that's kind of the foundational starting point yeah. for me. How'd you meet your wife? She was introduced to me by a friend I met in New York city, uh, in yeah. New York city. I, I, uh, went to a church there I uh, was brought in by a really uh, amazing group of people. It became a really amazing culture for me and a support system in a time where I really needed it. And um, one of these people knew that I had no family and that um, he said, why don't you come home with me to Texas for Thanksgiving? Um, and this is, this is 2009. Mm -hmm. And um, I went home to Thanksgiving and his older sister was just the, the, the coolest person I'd ever met. And we, we connected <laughs> and it was amazing. And, yeah. and, um, and so, uh, but she was married, mm. you know? And, and so there was nothing there. I was, I was like 22 or something like that. And she was yeah. much older than me, had four yeah. kids already, but she, I didn't know she was going through a divorce at the time. Two years later, uh, she contacts me out of the blue and says, Hey, I'm coming to New York. I said, Hey, you know, your family coming, your husband coming. She said, no, I got divorced a while ago. Um, and I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so she came to New York and visited yeah. and we just, we really connected at the time mm -hmm. she got divorced, uh, had nothing, gave everything away in that divorce and was cleaning houses for 60 bucks a day. And today she is the CIO of a real estate investing firm we both own. And, uh, we call her the millionaire maid today because awesome. she also came from, mm -hmm. from a very hard, uh, background and situation, cleaning houses to now buying over 800 houses. Mm -hmm. So, um, she is, she is a phenomenal human being. That's awesome. You know, let, let's get to that part. And so I'm assuming there's a story there. What I mean by that is you're behind the chair, you're making good money, you're happy, you've, you've fulfilled your five-year plan, maybe a little early, right? Yeah. And then it sounds like you're from what we've gotten from you so far, you're the person who's like, well, what else? What's next? Right? Yeah. How yeah. did, where, how did this transition? And I, you know, from what I know is you, you started playing with real estate, right? Or got into the real estate market, you know, and I think for many stylists and hairdressers and other people who listen to our podcast, I want to do that. But getting back to that mindset, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't know how I'm not that person. So first of all, what made you think you could do that? I, uh, I never said that I kept the hundred thousand and uh, there's a big difference. <laughs> Yeah, make it, I can keep it two different that. things. There is yeah. a big difference. I think, I think we all can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> 
So when I realized the difference of making a hundred thousand <laughs> and what I ended up with at the end of the year, right. Um, I immediately found myself in a desperate situation again. Yeah. What I had done is I'd worked um, in the salon. I worked at the Sally Hershberger salon. Um, and then I worked at the Marie Robinson salon, both in New York city. And um, I was, um, I was making very little money uh, at the time, some, somewhere around 35, $40,000 in that first year that I was there. Um, and for New York, that's very little money. And um, so what I had realized was that I need to get better with my money because I don't have very much of it. And I had bought some really dumb stuff. I, this is a crazy story. I bought a $10,000 watch the, the year that I made $40,000. Sounds like a hairstylist. That, yeah. Is that, <laughs> that doesn't tell you what, how good I was at making bad choices. Uh, I don't know what else does. I, the sinking feeling I got when I put that watch on and how stupid that action was, I sent that thing back immediately. And I, and I just caught myself and said, whoa, you're going back into, you're going back into some really bad habits here. And, um, and this hasn't left you yet. You haven't stopped making stupid choices. So I, I started picking up books on um, financial management, personal financial management. And, um, and I realized, okay, if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna do this, I wanna keep some of it. And through, the, through that reading, I realized I knew very little about money. And what I realized as well as I worked, started working on set with celebrities, the conversations they were having were very different than the conversation I was having. So when I hit, when I started realizing, uh-oh, yeah, being a high income earner and being wealthy is a very, very different thing. Because you can be a high income earner and go 90 days without a paycheck and be, a, be done. So I started asking people, wealthier people, on set, the hairdressers were ahead of me, the talent, I have questions, you know, like about your career, how they thought, I'd start asking really pointed questions. Um, and maybe some of them were a little uncomfortable for them because I wanted to get into like, you know, what are you, what are you getting paid today? And I found out I'm, I'm, I'm making 250 <laughs> bucks today. You're, you're making $10,000 today. Right. Uh, I'm like, oh, geez. And some people were honest, some people were uncomfortable, but I, I, um, I started then building relationships with people who are wiser um, mm -hmm. and knew quite a bit more than me. And then I, I met my wife. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that was the catalyst when I found out how poor we both were, um, both in mind and in bank mm -hmm. account. I, we went to the New York City Library before we got married. And I, I just said, this, this is not going to stand. Like, we, I'm not going to do this poor mm -hmm. thing for the rest of my life. I'm not going to struggle and not know what this money thing is or what about it. So we just decided we'd go get books. And I said, okay, you read this one, I'll read this one, you read this one, I'll read this one. And so we started mm -hmm. with this, um, this uh, Dave Ramsey book, this been Get Out of Debt. So uh, we did that and that was great, but I thought, no, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna get me where I wanna go. And so I, then I started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and all of those books. And the, the books started opening my mind to the possibility uh, that I could learn, that, that money wasn't just you know, uh, this, this uh, fugazi that you, that you dream about having it's it's a tangible thing that if you move it right and you treat it right and you spread it around it make things it makes things grow and i always say this money is like manure you keep it in one spot you hold on to it it's, it stinks but if you spread it around it makes things grow and i needed to learn about that when i say that the millionaire is about the uh the mindset the models and the money understanding money is mm -hmm. a critical conversation we are not having enough I mean, no one had it with me my parents didn't right. have it the high school didn't have it with me I didn't learn it in college Nobody wants to talk about this. And so I, I got tired of that. And now I'm like, let's talk about the money. So that was the next stage for me. I started learning 
And, uh, and I knew that I needed to invest in order you know, to make I, I money. Got, I got to stop you for a second, just to add in that you don't have to have Kylie Jenner in your chair. Ha hairstylists meet everybody. Like, right. you know, when, when you, when you grow a clientele, it's tough for you to go to the grocery store, right? You become a celebrity mm -hmm. in your town. And one of those husbands, wives, daughters, college students, Right. Knows something that that, you know, and once you have satiated, listen, this is what we're doing with your hair today. Like we've, yeah. we've got that part. Hey, this is what you need to be. We've got that part. Um, there's a whole lot you can learn from these people and smart people there. Of course, there are some that are a bit more private, but they love an opportunity to share some wisdom to somebody that's interested. Mm -hmm. They they you it helps. It's like yeah. speaking their language. You're, you're now going from speaking your language to learning to speak their language. Mm -hmm. And um, I, think, I think you can't find a hairstylist out there that's ever tried that strategy and had those conversations where they haven't found a willing person on the other end ready to share. And so whether, whether yeah. it's Kylie Jenner in your chair or whether it's you know, the guy that owns real estate in your town or the or the your CPA is sitting in your chair. Um, mm -hmm. These are these are just wonderful conversations to be having. And to your point, Chris, they're in your chair now. You don't have to go looking for them. They're, yeah. you, they're right there, right in front of you, right this That's moment right. in time. Yeah. That's right. And that that was one of those limiting uh, those those myths that I found <clears throat> as we started this started you know talking with hairstylists about this seven figure idea that mm -hmm. yeah hairstylists can become seven figure hairstylists mm -hmm. and it's very very real possibility mm -hmm. um a lot of them are like oh yeah well you worked with celebrities and i can tell you right now that's not how you know <laughs> i i became a millionaire and you know there's a hair their hairstylist behind the chair making more money than i was getting paid you know for the cover of vogue i was making 250 bucks shooting the cover of vogue and everybody thinks it's the sexiest thing out there but i was like Oh my gosh, this this is not an income job. This is a qualifying job. This is something you add to your resume so you can go get more income jobs. So I I, I actually realized a while just getting into my career that the the caliber of my price, my skill and my abilities um, and my confidence and all of these these um, hard skills and soft skills allowed me to. Uh, connect with the right people and get people in my chair that paid more. And the more they paid, the more access I had to people who were paying. And so I realized I called my agent one day and I was like, I want to be the guy paying $10,000 for a haircut that I don't, right. I, that's, that's where I'd like to be. I'd like to be in the seat and just being, and just talking with people who are successful in their own field. They're not hairdressers, the people that I was talking with. Um, mm. They're just people who are really successful in their own field. It just kind of triggered my mind to think like, how do we get, how do I get where you are? How do, how do right. I understand what you know? And that's that openness that we talked about earlier. So Cash, you're talking about making investments. What does that mean? Tell me, tell me more about where, why do you have to make investments? Why did you go down that road? Well, because I, I just, uh, <laughs> I had this big grandiose dream, right? I wrote down my goals. And so I, I mm -hmm. met with one of my mentors and, um, and I, and he said, well, how much do you don't want to be making? And I, and I said, <clears throat> a lot. I put a, a big number down <laughs> a lot. and, uh, and he, you know, he, he laughed yeah. and, and uh, he said, all right, well, let's take a look. This guy's a billionaire. And he said, let's reverse engineer the goal. Okay. You want to make X amount. Um, let's do the math here, uh, at a, you know, a fairly aggressive rate of return. It's going to take you over a thousand years to get there doing what you're doing now. And I was like, yeah. Oh, and I think that hit me 
so hard and it almost depressed me because I didn't know I'm a hairstylist and I thought, okay, he's like, what's the maximum you can earn? What's, you know, what's this, what's your, what's your hourly price? Um, and so we did all this math and we, we, we've, we achieved the maximum model that, that my earning working, earning behind the chair potential was, and there is a cap. It woke me up big time to that. There was a model to predict how much you will need to be making and how much you will need to be investing. And I wow. thought, well, okay, if, if standing behind the chair has a limit to my standing behind the chair earning capability until there's a way to, 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 to make $100,000 an hour or whatever it is, there's some crazy right. number behind the chair. I don't know that that's possible yet, but maybe one day it will. Um, I knew I needed other income streams to compound it. So he said, all the successful people, dude, uh, they, they don't have one income stream. You know, he's like, you're looking at your career with this microscope when income is a, uh, is a lake and there are many rivers flowing into it. And the more in, inlets there are, the bigger that lake gets and the heavier that water flows in. So he just kind of gave me this analogy that was, it was just kind of opening my mind up to other possibilities. And I thought I need to start investing. I need to, I need other income streams in order to compound my hourly value. So I started doing the math and I said, okay, well, if I, if I have the $15,000 I have now, if I put that into, um, you know, real estate, you know, or, or stocks or something like that, what, what could I do? And he said, well, okay, now you're starting to talk about generating another asset that's, that's uh, going to be making income for you. So then we spread that over the year and your hours. And now you're not, you're not at hundred dollars an hour, you're at $106 an hour. Okay, so how can I compound that? And so we just we just started having these conversations about higher level thinking of of, of how a business looks at, at growing itself and how wealthy individuals look at growing themselves. And it it never came down to having a job or right. one income stream. It was about maximizing that income to its maximum potential mm-hmm. and multiplying on top of it and compounding the effect of your hour, making money while you're sleeping. What's interesting is you had $15,000 you could invest in real estate or you could have bought that $10,000 watch and a yeah. nice dinner, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so for our listeners, you know, so we've got some stylists and, and cosmetology students right now listening to this podcast going, cool, you know, what do I do next? Well, you cannot skip that urgency and purpose step. You got to know why this has to be done, or it will be very hard to, to skip those uh, those Postmates orders and and mm-hmm. taking the cabs. I I nixed cabs. Uh, I stopped taking cabs. I started taking the train. I nixed restaurants. Stopped doing that, and I started saving. And then I had a meeting when I had this you know meeting with one of my mentors. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Savers are losers, man. If your mm-hmm. money's not moving, it's losing." So I I. I I really knew that I, I needed to get my money into a vehicle that was moving. Um, and what that means is that uh, <laughs> when your money moves, you are spending it on things that produce more. It pays you back. You move it out, it comes back in. You move it out, it comes back in. It's this cycle of movement, and that's called the velocity of money. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I started with was $15,000, and I knew that there was no way I was buying a piece of real estate in New York City for 15000 bucks. So instead, that friend that introduced me to my wife, um, he lived in Texas. And I thought, I, I got to find somewhere in this world that I can buy property for 15,000 bucks. Texas became a target of mine. I thought, I live in New York City. How the heck am I going to invest in real estate in Texas? So we, we got creative and turns out $15,000 still wasn't enough. 
So I wound up calling up his dad and said, hey, I've got a great idea. I'm willing to go in on an investment property. I put this, <laughs> this document together that said, here's our returns. Here's our expected returns. I'm going to do 15. You're going to do 15 because the bank says I need to bring 30 to the table. And um, I got him to agree. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first joint venture real estate purchase. I just wound up selling that property last year. The fact that I knew I had to do it was one thing. But the other thing that I had to consider that I, I also sat down with a coach I, I didn't know what investment I should make. And so they, they, they asked some pretty good questions. And some of the things I needed to figure out about my future life indicated which direction I should go with my investing. And this is a, a technique for generating clarity in anything you do. There's four questions you have to ask yourself. You, you close your eyes and you envision you have everything that you need. You're not struggling. You don't need anything. Ask yourself, where geographically do I want to be? That's a fixed thing. You're always going to be somewhere, even when you're dead. Where do I want to be in the world? The second thing you need to ask yourself and envision that, envision it. If it's Ibiza, Spain, if it's Texas, wherever it is that you feel like your heart is drawn to. And maybe it's, you don't want to be far away because you want to be close to family. Um, then, then really visualize that place, that geography. Then you go, who do I want to be with? Who are the people that are meaningful in my life? Because you may want to be in Ibiza, but all your family's back in Texas or something, and you're going to be alone over there. And that's not going to be a very good vision, right? So the next question you want to ask yourself is, um, what do I want to be doing? You already have everything you need. What truly energizes you, fulfills you, and makes you proud? Ask yourself those three questions under that one question. What do I want to be doing? What energizes me? What fulfills me? What makes me proud? that is the stuff you want to be doing. Whatever. I, can't, right. I, I can't wait to wake up and get to work because I'm energized <laughs> by everything I do. If it doesn't energize me, it's not getting done, by the way. Right. So if, if, I, if I ask those three questions, it has to be followed by a third one. What's it going to cost? What sacrifices am I willing to make? And what dollar amount do I need to sustain this lifestyle? If your vision is sipping Mai Tais on the beach in Spain and, uh, and your business, your hundred salons are making you over $60 million a year in passive income that you're just like, I'm good, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Then how are you gonna get there? How are you gonna ensure that by a certain date you're gonna get there? And you gotta ask, when do I want this? When do I want this? So these, these questions are really important to generating clarity. You can do it in your business. Uh, where are we going to be? Where's our business going to be based? Who, uh, who, who are the team members that we need? What are we going to be doing? How much is this going to cost? Just these basic questions can, can really muster up and generate clarity about your career, your life, your friends, and everything else you want to do. Starting there, you start to understand what you really want and what investment vehicles are going to get you there. Because I can tell you, putting your money into stock market at 5% return ain't going to get you there with most income levels. You're going to have to find other investments. And most of the time, that's getting on that BI side of the quadrant, becoming a business owner, investor, and really starting to um, increase and maximize your income so that that funnel you're creating, uh, income to investment starts to generate velocity and speed. Yeah, I'm glad you just mentioned the, the BI side of the quadrant because um, we didn't really touch on it, but you mentioned your one of the books you read the second book maybe was uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, the Robert Kiyosaki classic, you know, that has become a game, a board game cash flow. You know, he's now out there teaching millennials. I, I, I still kind of stumble upon his teachings. And it's a it's a really 30,000 foot view at the different options that people have as workers as it to, to as our to take on our career and our life and and in essence and i'm gonna i'm gonna bash it i don't mean i mean i might mess this up what i'm about to say and i'll have you correct me i didn't mean bash the the, the uh, system i think it's like 
most people end up being an employee or an independent. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's like four ways to kind of treat and earn money. And then there's, or you can be a business and invest. And And it seems like from the employee side, unless you do good things with your money after you get paid, the road to wealth is a long road. And it's not that you can't go the route where you save for a thousand years. It's just going to take a thousand years. And if you're interested in, you know, accelerating that, then, then really you have to truly invest in business um, as well as really learn to invest. And, and it sounds like, you know, invest, investing comes in a lot of different ways. Yes. You can go into the 401k plan of a business and a stock market and take, and take the long road that way. And, and great. Um, but you can also go the real estate route. Nowadays there's e-commerce, which I know that you've developed a, a successful e-commerce business as well. So can you kind of just clear that picture up a little bit more that those quadrants that you were sort of discussing there? Yeah. So the quadrants, you explained it perfectly. It's just a quadrant in front of you on the left-hand side. You've got the employee, the highest taxed individual. Earned income is the highest taxed income you can have. Then you've got the specialist or the independent. These are your dentists, doctors, hairstylists. Uh, It requires you to do work to make money. That's still on the earned income side. However, you get the benefit of taking deductions and write-offs and things like that. But don't fall into the write-off trap. Spending a dollar to save 10 cents is not a smart idea. On the right (laughs) side of that quadrant, you've got uh, the business owners and the investors. And that is where the real money is made in the world. And what I believe about hairstylists, even though, think about an actor, right? Makes $20 million a movie. He's a specialist. He's, he, you can be insanely high income specialists, but you can also work six hours a week as a specialist and make a very significant amount of money and funnel those into your investments and get to that BI side of the quadrant, the business owner and investor. I think business, a lot of people think like, because one of these myths that we want to dispel is that because I'm a hairstylist, I'm bad with numbers and money. Because I'm an artist, I can't be a good business person. And I don't identify with a business person. It just doesn't interest me. You can be incredibly creative with money. You can be incredibly resourceful expressive with money. It is amazing what you can do when you have the freedom to do what you truly want and what amazing expressive things come out of that creativity rather than being a slave to what Mm -hmm. you have to do. It squelches creativity. So when artists talk about, oh, I want to, you know, I'm not a business person. I'm bad with, I'm bad with numbers. I'm like, the second you sold a painting or you cut someone's hair, you're in business. You are a business person. And now it's up to you to decide how good you're going to be at that because you don't have a choice. You're making money. You're in business. You are. It doesn't matter if you think you're not a business person, you're bad with money or whatever. What, oh, and the getting, getting over to that side and out of that specialist side is just a way to um, do it very quickly and do it very big, should that be what you wanna do. Now, what we talk about often with the millionaire hairstylist is there's three types of income. There's three levels. There's earned income where we start. That's, That's where we all start. We have to start earning income. It's very hard to skip that phase unless you've got a trust fund or something like that, right? In which case you're fine. You know, I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you go right. somewhere Some else. Right, go yeah. smoke weed on the beach. Yeah. You're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you, you know, assuming your trustee doesn't screw you. So if we have to go through that, we want to maximize that as much as we can. 
So maximizing our earned income. The second one is growth assets. And this is the part everyone skips. <laughs> Before you go any further, I want to just talk about earned income for one more second and maybe yeah. ask a follow-up question. I mean, my question feels obvious and maybe it's rhetorical, but what do most people do with their earned income? They paid 40% of it to, to taxes. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and then the, and spend the rest, right? The sad reality is that they don't spend their income. They spend money they haven't even made yet. And their income goes to debt and interest. That's the real sad reality of what the majority of at least America does with their income. We lose it to leaks. It's death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. small losses here and there to paying interest to have things before we should really have them. And that is going to, uh, it's going to kill your financial journey um, by having those leaks. And that's why, you know, uh, the debt snowball method is, is a very powerful thing for people who are buried in credit card debt, paying 29% interest. So when you say people spend it, they do way more than spend it. They spend it before they get it and then spend it on paying off that debt and interest. And really, that's the reason why they never have money to people are always, you know, I don't have money to invest. I don't have money to invest. It's because the money that you would be investing is paying your credit cards. You're it's already paying, spent. Yeah, yeah, it's paying yeah. the car that you really couldn't afford yet. And it's, yeah, you know, yeah. And right. it, the, the crazy thing is, is that um, at the Millionaire Hairstylist, we're putting together a calculator where you'll soon be able to go to our website and type in your income, your investment contributions you want to make, the rate of return, the high all hypothetical and it will show you exactly what your result will be in 10 years 20 years 30 years different you can type in all this different stuff and see different scenarios for yourself as to what your future could look like if you didn't buy the ten thousand dollar watch and if you didn't get the tattoo um, and i'm not saying you know you don't you have to you have to cut out every expense you know like people talk about like oh just don't get your coffee or whatever i'm like forget that you know focus on making making more like yeah, focusing on saving $5 isn't really going to yeah. do it. It's not going to make you wealthy. F putting your energy toward toward uh, maximizing your earned income, but getting rid of these really unnecessary big costs that lose you thousands of dollars a year. Uh, it, you will be amazed at sure. what you can do. My daughter, the younger you start, the better. My daughter owns already owns a rental property. She's invested in cryptocurrency. She's invested in index funds. And she's 17 years old. <laughs> That's awesome. And she's, she's yeah. talking right now about right. partnering with two other friends to buy a multifamily unit because they get this first time home buyer credit and living in one side of it. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's a language. So on earned income, these, these phases of income, um, earned income, is where you're going to lose most of your money to paying taxes. Um, and and um, as a hairstylist, a lot of them, you know, a lot of us are 1099ers. Mm -hmm. We have the capability to take deductions. But one thing you can do immediately is if you're making any, anywhere over 50,000 bucks a year, it would probably be wise to uh, uh, get an LLC mm -hmm. and file elect for an S corp status and immediately save yourself that 15% self-employment tax. Um, the one thing you'll have to do is you can go to paychecks.com and enroll in an uh, in a payroll program. It's running payroll once a month is going to cost you like forty bucks a month. However, say if you're if you're making fifteen thousand dollars or, or sorry fifty thousand dollars a year, that's seven thousand five hundred dollars in taxes you don't have to pay anymore. Kind of worth fifty bucks, right? That's one strategy you can use immediately if you're making a hundred thousand dollars to put fifteen thousand bucks in your pocket right then and there. And you've seen what I did with 15,000 bucks. Right. It, it yep. can be, it can make a really big difference um, when you start looking at things this way. Now, the next phase is the growth assets. People immediately go into mm -hmm. portfolio income from earned income. Portfolio income typically earning you after tax five to 8%. It's invested in 401ks, stock market, uh, stocks and bonds, right. things like that. It's an allocated portfolio to secure, to safely, you know, relatively safely invest for your future. Mm -hmm. 
People who skip them immediately to this step, they steal the money from the growth assets, which are things that can make you a lot of money lot very of quickly money. and then yeah. funnel into um, your portfolio income. So there's three types of income, earned income, growth assets, and portfolio income. You don't want to skip the growth assets part. And those are assets like business and real estate, um, you know, uh, things that can um, can compound. So real estate's a growth asset because after taxes, you can make very high percentages of return because you get the benefits of depreciation, um, leverage. I can buy $150,000 assets for, for, for $30,000 of my own money and use the bank's money and then get a renter to pay the bank their mortgage back. Um, I get to not only leverage it, but I can, I can borrow against it um, and put more cash in my pocket and multiply that money. So growth assets are the things that we skip because we move immediately from earned income into low return portfolio income. And that's one thing that I think most wealthy people don't do. They don't skip that growth asset part. They either build a business or they, they generate a high income producing asset or they, uh, they partner, with, uh, partner with somebody and, and build, a, build something together, put, put an e-commerce store together. Yeah. They compound their income through YouTube or things like that. And well, and that's, I, want, I want to just quickly rattle off like a couple of low-hanging fruits. If I'm a 22-year-old hairstylist and I'm listening, <coughs> wait, wait a minute, this, this just went, we just went to Mars. You know what I mean? We, we started out on our, <laughs> yeah. you could make a hair accessory and sell it on Etsy as your first e-commerce business. That's right. You could, you could um, we have a girl uh, at Salon 124 who is amazing, Austin, who makes these amazing color garments for all the, for all of our uh, team yeah, members. T-shirts. Our, and, yeah, logo yeah. t-shirts. You could create that and that would compound, meaning build on top of your money, multiply it, right? So you, you spent you know, uh, $200 buying the t-shirts and $5 buying the glitter glue to put the stuff on there and you sell it. There, there are so many different ways online. You could um, take bobby pins and uh, bling them out. You know what I mean? So like in hairstylist talk, these are ways that you could start your first business. If you're wondering, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's talking about starting a business here and a YouTube channel. I mean, my niece, uh, we just had on the podcast, you know, I don't know how many follow subscribers she's at now it's 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 growing significantly and and you know she's making um well i don't want to tip her hand but you know she's getting significant checks from youtube now uh, you know and adsense because of the things she's doing and sponsorships that are coming and these are all low-hanging fruits you guys are seeing plenty of influencers that are doing this stuff plenty of um right. you know we had yeah. olivia smalley on and she talked about how she sat in her bathtub and did makeup tutorials for a year and a half before anybody noticed her like like these are all ways to to start that side business I'm so passionate about this 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 mission that we're, we're trying to do because I believe hairstyles are uniquely positioned. Being uh, starting a business and making a lot of money, you have to position yourself well. You have to see a problem and solve it. You know, you've got to you've got to add value and provide a solution to something. That's the, that's the easiest way to start a business. People think, oh, how do I start a business? What do you hate? What do you want to change? What, you know, <laughs> right. what what do you what do you want to see that di differently? And you got to be the mm -hmm. type of person that just gets gets pissed off about certain things. And I know hairstylists, <laughs> come on, I know that's us. Right. This is an amazing journey. You know, one of the things that um, 
I think a lot of people will be thinking of because I'm thinking about it, you know, okay, so I gotta, I gotta start putting aside some of this money, I want to, mm-hmm. you know, so I can start purchasing growth assets. One of the things you talk about is pathing your, your money and why it's smarter than budgeting, right? So yeah. you, you mentioned that a little earlier, don't don't worry about the $5 cup of coffee, right? You got bigger yeah. fish to fry. So what do you mean by that, <laughs> that pathing your money is much smarter than budgeting? So pathing your money is what I call allocation. Okay. And when we think budget, we've been raised with this word budget so that we don't overspend. And what I'm telling you is overspend. Mm-hmm. Sounds crazy, right? It's like, wait, 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 what, right. are we, what are we talking about? Spend every <laughs> dollar you have. Spend it all. But the key is to spend it on things that produce income for you. Allocation means that you have a plan for your money, where it's going to be, who it's going to be with, what it's right. going to be doing, and how much it's going to cost you. See, that that's a model that we use over and over and over again to make good choices. And when you make choices with your money, you need to determine what it's gonna, what's going to happen first. So we flip that equation on a normal profit and loss statement that says you make money, you subtract all your expenses, and then you're left over with some profit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mike Michalowicz came up with a brilliant idea to reverse that and say, you make your money, profit you take first. your profit, yep. exactly, take yep. your profit, and you're left over with what you are to pay your expenses. Mm-hmm. And in his book, Profit First, he lays out the opposite of a budget, mm-hmm. which is spend the money, the profit. You take the profit first. You pay yourself first. And what he means by pay yourself is pay right. yourself in the future, taking that money and doing what you plan to do with it. So let's say you have a strategy to invest in real estate. Every month, mm-hmm. every time you get paid, you just take 20% out and you put it into an asset or into an account that you can't swipe or things like that. You remove sure. it and start right. putting it somewhere you can't get to it. Mm-hmm. And, it and, and you are left with money to pay your expenses and your bills. Mm-hmm. And you so have many to- was, So many of us do it the other way around, right? We, we pay all our bills. And of course, one of the things we do is, and you were so eloquent with this, is we, we pay for future things you know, before we even get them, right? Yeah. Um, because we put it on credit cards or before we can even earn them. We put it on our credit cards, we're paying off that. And then the next thing you know, you're paying off all the interest and now there's no money for those growth assets. So wouldn't it be brilliant if you took that money first, put it aside, yeah, there may be some bills that you might be a little late on, but you'll learn real quick that you shouldn't be spending money on those things, right? And make that mm-hmm. challenge go away. But now you've got 10, 15, $20,000 in the bank to start with your growth assets. So I, mm-hmm. I love that. One of the things I want to talk about a little bit more, if we could, is I want to circle back on the on the mindset piece, because I think that's the key to this whole process. Would you agree? Uh, yes, absolutely. The mindset is so important because without the mindset, we don't take the action. You have right. to think before we do. A thought always precedes an action. When sure. we think certain ways, certain actions happen. This is a very cause and effect universe. We think a certain way, certain things happen, and it's almost predictable. Yeah. And we call it, yeah. you know, uh, we have certain feelings about things and we make certain choices. We call it instinct, but really is our brain synthesizing information through presuppositional mm-hmm. thought, things that we already think to be true. And we filter it out and we make a choice based on what we believe. These mindsets are how we believe about things. And if you believe it's too complicated and it's too hard and all this uh, and all this other stuff, which it's not. It um, will be. And, an idiot like me can do it. It absolutely will be. And you'll never take the action. And that's why mindset is the first step. One, dispelling the myths that we believe, clearing out the junk that we already believe. Mm-hmm. Those are those presuppositional thoughts. 
eliminating right. that toxicity, filling that in with things that are actually true. Because a lot mm -hmm. of people think, oh, I can't do that. And it's like, you, you don't even know if you can't do it or can. You know just as much that you can't, that's just that you can't. You haven't done it. Right. So if if we can get rid of some of these thoughts and 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 implant some critical new beliefs that are foundational right. to making good choices with uh, with your models and with your money and taking action, mm -hmm. then that's then that's going to yield positive choices in your life. I, the millionaire hairstylist is a mission that's going to be launching as a along with a course, an online community, if you will, where people will be able to hang out, learn these systems and steps. And, you know, if look, if you're listening to this on the podcast, it takes a long time. You didn't get this stuff overnight. And so that mentorship piece, that finding that person to learn from, you know, the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears piece. And so what will that journey, that um, millionaire hairstylist journey look like? It's so incredible how writing all this down into a linear format, into more of a tutorial format as, as we develop this course and as we test this on hairstylists, we are documenting how we're building this business, which is crazy because it could fail. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm terrified in moments that I'm not qualified to do this. And too late, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, here. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm talking, I'm telling people I'm doing it. It's yeah. out there. We're um, putting it on the podcast, so, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's done. It's out in the world now. And so um, we're documenting everything from the profit and loss statement. Currently, we've decided to allocate our uh, YouTube channel ad revenue to um, manage costs. So we know that this model can work from the second you make a few dollars in your business. We're, we're actually doing what, in, in, as we start this business, we're documenting the process of starting the Millionaire Hairstylist, even though I've started four other companies. And uh, this is sort of the, the view from the sky that we're like, wow, okay, we're putting these things into practice as we're saying them. And so we built out a PL. We we're 40% profitable, which means we've made $400 to date. Nice um, job. And I'm, I, I love sharing numbers. I do. And I hope it doesn't make any of you guys uncomfortable out there to say that my company uh, has made $1,000 and we've kept 400. I hope mm -hmm. that doesn't bother you. Uh, but I want to share reality with people and have conversations about income and numbers that aren't going to leave you in the dark thinking something's true that's not. I entered my career thinking the cover of Vogue was going to make me wealthy. Yeah. No one told me yeah. that that was not an income producing job. Yeah. Yeah. I was chasing smoke and mirrors and, um, and I don't want to leave people in, in that the position I found myself in. So when I talk about building businesses, I've built several multi-million dollar businesses. And when I say this new business, I've made 400 bucks. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, everybody, everybody starts somewhere. We recently uh, created a series w with Jay Williams and um, uh, John interviewed him through his, you know, authoring his new book. And uh, I filmed it and put together the videos for him. Even Jay's knowledge who is an expert in the thing that he does, there were those voices that came out. And at some point, somebody said like, you know, hey, Jay, we all have to have a first day. Right. You know, like every, every, every business has a starting day. And I think that shyness or shame, if you will, is what keeps a lot of people from taking a first step because they look 
at my niece's YouTube page and they go, well, how am I going to get to 50,000 subscribers? And when you hear her tell the story, it's her mom watched her first video and that was about it. And it, it took a long time to get there. And that's, that's the reality of growing a business. It's the reality of growing a clientele. And I guess my follow-up question is, why this message to hairstylists? I mean, obviously you've evolved. I'm, I'm guessing you're not behind a chair anymore. Are you, are you doing hair at all? And I, I am not as well. And John does not do hair behind a chair. And so everybody knows that. And, and, and you know, I, I say that, I share that to say, not that we all can't do hair, but as a professional, you grow and evolve through your career. So I'm wondering why you want to bring this message back to hairstylists specifically you know, while you have other thriving um, businesses happening. Yeah, because <laughs> hairstylists saved my life. And um, this is, there's, there's something called the business hierarchy of needs, which, um, which Mike Michalowicz also talks about. In the first level of that is cash flow. You start earning money. The second level is that you are profitable. The third level is that you start getting organized and you start putting leverage into your business and growing it. And then the fourth level is impact. The fifth, the fifth level is is legacy. Um, <clears throat> I've I've made my cash flow. I became I'm, I built a profitable business. I got organized, and I have I have employees and people working for me, and I am I am invigorated by the idea of having an impact. I absolutely want to give back. It, it, I don't know what that is. And maybe that's a little bit of um, insecurity in me or something that says, oh, you need to seek meaning or whatever. And I don't find anything wrong with that personally. Mm -hmm. um, if the emotion I'm having is producing the results that I stand behind and the things I want to see in life, then that's probably a good thought. You know, I, I absolutely want to add value and I want to have meaning. And so in this, as I enter this impact stage, I made the choice to let go, arguably one of the biggest celebrities in the world, um, as a client and let them all go and tell them, I'm going to be going and doing this now. And, um, and you're going to have to find someone else. And that was one <laughs> of the most terrifying moments in my life. I absolutely had an identity crisis for a moment where it was like, I'm no longer, I'm no longer this. I'm not X's hair. I'm not person's hairstylist anymore. Am I still interesting? Do people still want to hear from me? And um, it was such a hard thing to go through to just, and I realized through that experience how much of my identity was wrapped into something so not meaningful. I loved my clients. I did. I placed too much emphasis on how that um, gave me meaning and what I want. And it didn't align with the meaning I wanted to have in life. And mm -hmm. I want to add value in other people's lives. And while I'm adding value to my clients, yes, I wanted to do it in a big way. And I wanted to do it with millions of people. And I felt like I'm a hairstylist. I know hairstylists. And I held my belt myself back so hard because I didn't know these things and no one was teaching these things. And I went through the painstaking, embarrassing pro process of making all these mistakes and asking embarrassing questions and being, being that guy that didn't know anything about anything and just saying, hey, how do you become successful? Guys, I mean, this has been just a loaded conversation. I yeah. think there's just, you know, obviously a ton uh, to take away. John, I, my head is full. Love to hear what's what you're taking away. There was so much. I don't think I can do it justice by bullet pointing it. What I think, though, that I, I really liked what you had to say was in regards to mindset. 
we talk about it all the time. Mindset, mindset, mindset. We talk with lots of different people, but I think that the way you articulated it was different this time. And I really like that. Um, one of the things that, I, that kind of ran through my brain is when you talk about mindset, you're both the obstacle to your own growth and you're also not, right? You're not stupid. You're not lazy. You're not dumb, right? You're none of those things. And yet at the same time, you are the person that thinks you are those things and you get in your own way, right? Um, and, and that's kind of ringing in my brain. The other thing that you talked about that I think is really important is who you spend your time with is so important, right? And I think I can think back when my early 20s and the people I spent time with, and granted, some of those people are still my friends and I love them to death, right? But some of the people, if I think back upon that aren't friends anymore, for no other reason than we just lost, lost contact, how did they fulfill my life? You know, and I think in the end, they really didn't. You know, they were nice people, don't get me wrong, and I enjoyed my time with them. But did I learn anything? Did it help my career? Did it help me grow? So I love that. And lastly, urgency, right? Uh, none of this makes, none of this is any good unless you put a candle under it and light that thing on fire, right? So I love the urgency piece. So thanks again. Yeah, that was that was awesome. And uh, ditto all of that stuff, John, and uh, and. Cash, again, thank you for uh, hanging out with us. First of all, if, if I've just listened to all of this and I love what I heard, how do we get a hold of you? How does somebody find you? Well, we are brand new. We literally decided to do this two and a half months ago. And you can find us now, uh, The Millionaire Hairstylist, on Instagram at The Millionaire Hairstylist. And you can follow me at Cash Lawless. I know my name's ridiculous. Totally coincidental that my name is Cash and I'm dealing with money. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but uh, Cash Lawless is my Instagram handle. You can find me on YouTube, uh, Cash Lawless on YouTube. And, um, and make sure that you go follow the Millionaire Hairstylist on Instagram because we are dropping um, recordings from our incubator group. And if you want to join our incubator group, and these are this is just getting early access to some of the materials that we're putting out there, uh, our wealth calculator, some of our uh, tools for managing finances, uh, some of our conversations around mindset that we're having. Uh, if you want to do that, you can go to themillionairehairstylist.com, sign up to apply to be a part of that um, incubator group. And then we are hosting regular clubhouse sessions um, on Clubhouse, having conversations about all these co concepts and um, sharing some of the stuff that we are going to be sharing in the course and uh, and throughout this uh, mission that we are trying to accomplish. So, awesome. So follow Cash on Clubhouse as well. Okay, you can awesome. do both. You can follow me, Cash Lawless on Clubhouse or Millionaire Hairstylist, the club. You can follow the club. Anything you feel like we left on the table or some words you want to leave us with? You got to think big because even if you aim high and miss you still wind up higher. Mm -hmm. So think as big as you possibly can. And when you set these goals and you answer those questions, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be with? And what's that going to cost me? Think big. And if your dreams don't make you nervous or scared, they're not big enough. So go bigger. Write them down. Mm -hmm. Please write them down. Um, and, um, and second, use big models. Think big, use big models. And when I say, what I mean by big models is that please don't go try to in, you know reinvent what has already been done. A lot of a lot of people like to go off 
and start their own salon or, or do something on their own because they don't want to be told what to do. And uh, they get creative immediately. What I have found in that works with successful people is that people tell them, here's how something works well. They master that model and then they get creative with it. Matt, it's just like, don't try to start do creative cutting before you understand line graduation and layers. You know, you're right. gonna understand that's a model. Think about that, it's a model. Just like those four questions, it's a model. Line graduation layers are models that, for the way to you to think about doing something well, how it's been done for a long time. But once you master that model, you can really start doing anything with it. So look for those people in your life who can share those models with you, who have been there, who can share models with you about finances, who can share models with you about your business ideas and your, um, your techniques and the things that you want to learn. There's even learning models we talk about in the Millionaire Hairstyles, how to learn effectively uh, and learn a lot of complicated stuff in short periods of time. So if there's anything I can say to you guys is think big, aim really high and, um, and use big models to get there. Awesome. Love it. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up there. We, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye. Hey, John, I was just thinking back to the time you and I wanted to start a podcast. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but it was, wasn't it? It's the truth. And the reason why we wanted to do that was because we wanted to bring people, you know, some of the best conversations with some of the best icons in the industry. And um, we met another real icon in the industry who's doing something similar, maybe at a higher level. Mm -hmm. So we're on with Vivian McKinder today. Isn't that exciting? That's great. You know, what you're talking about is that um, whole series she has on Hair Heroes, right? Because Vivian's taken that idea that we originally had, which is how can we connect with these icons in the industry? And Vivian's taken that, you know, as you said, one level higher. So, you know, Vivian, such a great series. Where, where did this come from? Where did this idea for Hair Heroes start out? Well, Hair Heroes was born during COVID and um, I was feeling sad and somewhat depressed. And I thought, what do I do when I feel like this? 
and I'm very fortunate. I've worked with so many iconic hairdressers throughout my career. I thought you reach out to those who are gifted and talented and you share the story of who they are and get inspired and then inspire others. And I did that in the very beginning, 15 years ago, when I created the film series, I'm Not Just a Hairdresser. So this is a kind of a rebirth of something that was very important to my heart. Mm -hmm. So Hair Heroes was this journey to reach out to the icons, the best hairdressers in the world, and ask them to tell me their story. And so it's their journey from humble beginnings to where they are today. It is a dive into their photographic work to understand the secrets behind their designs. And I'm sure many of us have looked at some of the posts on Instagram and thought, I'm going to copy that only to find out, oh my gosh, how did they do that? And it's so difficult. So it's amazing when you have the artists tell you how they created those looks. And many of them, I was like, really? Oh my gosh, I would never have thought you did it that way. So there's a learn and there's also the creative process of problem solving, which we do every day. When someone's sitting in our chair, we have to problem solve to take them from something that's not working to something that's gorgeous. So we go through the Hair Heroes photographic journey and then the Hair Heroes, I ask them to teach me something, which they all laugh at. And it's like, come on, I want teach me something. What's your favorite signature trick, whatever? I want you to teach me. And they do. And it's been so much fun to be taught by these famous, famous hairdressers. And then we finish with a dive inside the artist's mind to look at how do you overcome challenges? How do you overcome intimidation or frustration or whatever that may be? And therefore, by the time we are complete, we've been inspired, we've been motivated. We know we go underneath the hood of mastery. And I think the greatest deception of all is that mastery appears simple and it is not. And a great master makes it look easy. Mm -hmm. So when you start to unravel it and you start to understand the workings of mastery, little pieces of it will rub off on you because who you associate yourself with, you'll become more like. So I always believe human behavior is contagious. And so to me, it's the responsibility to have these iconic people inspire, lead, motivate us. And there may be something that is said or something that you see That is a turning point in your career. And I say that because every single one of these icons that I've interviewed, something was a turning point for them to change their course of their career to bring them to where they are today. And so I think that's a really rich story. So you could say it's that blend of taking the podcast world into the demonstration world, into the documentary world. And it really is an incredible journey as to what it takes to be successful. And if there's one thing that they all have in common, it's passion. Mm -hmm. And when you can connect to your passion, you have the fuel to go through the challenges and the obstacles in life. And you have a sense of purpose when your passion has a path to follow. And that's what My Hair Heroes is all about. That's amazing, Vivian. I mean, you've worked one, you know, closely with some of these icons. You were artistic directors for two of the biggest names in the world, Vidal Sassoon and Trevor Sorby. Um, and now you're bringing that out, you know, 2020 style. Who are some of the people that we can expect to see and hear from inside of these conversations? Well, there are, there's quite a few British hairdressers who are award-winning British hairdressers. Uh, Errol Douglas, Kim Knitzi, Desmond Murray, 
Sally Brooks, who just won the British Hairdressing Awards again, Sam Via, we have Nicholas French, Antoinette Binders, Mark Hayes from Sassoon's, Stephen Moody, Lucy, Lucy Doherty. I mean, my goodness, what an amazing lady. A, a lady who started as, as a colorist, who became this major editorial hairdresser. Danilo, who does the hair of every major celebrity that you can possibly imagine. His story. And they all are so humble, which is so beautiful. There's no arrogance there. There's just humility. And the lineup we have going into this year is also extraordinary. Some major, major artists that are coming to light. And so I'm crazy excited about those and almost nervous to think, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. they're going to be showing up at my door. So right. it's it's been, I know that if it's touched me and inspired me through some hard times, because I'm no different to anybody else. I lost a significant part of my business through COVID. And so we always have a choice to either to either rise to the challenge or feel defeated. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, I took the path of going for it. And the editing process of this content is extraordinary. I mean, I spend weeks editing it, which is why nobody else is doing this, by the way. Mm -hmm. It is so demanding to take a storyline and bring that story to life in a way that helps you. Because if it's somebody else's story that you can't relate to, it's just a story, mm -hmm. but a story that will inspire you to do something different, to believe, to hope, to dream, because we all came into this business to be creative. And did someone knock the stuffing out of your creativity? Mm -hmm. Or did someone say no and can't to you one too many times and you threw away your key of creativity? Well, you hold that key. So I'm going to ask you to, to put that key in your own lock and unlock the Pandora's box and step into your own wealth of creativity because it's there. Mm -hmm. And these amazing hair heroes will open that door for you and you'll see what's possible. That is absolutely beautiful. Check out Hair Heroes. We've got a link in the descriptor. Go ahead and click on that and just join the vision and join the journey today.